Man, it's good to be back. I don't know if you guys noticed, but I was gone for two Sundays. Nobody? Me? <laughs> well, I missed you guys. We took a little family vacation, and then last Sunday we went to drop off our youngest off to A&M College Station, and now my wife and I are officially empty nesters. Yeah. Bittersweet. But we're there. We're there. And so we're excited for that. Let me draw your attention to a description of Chuck Swindoll's when it comes to sin. Look what he says in reference to sin. He says this, sin will take you further than you want to go. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. And boy, sin will cost you more than you want to pay. Let me say this again. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It started with one drink. And then my buddies invited me every Friday. And, and now every Friday I'm drinking. It started with one click. And I saw this image and I was just attracted to it. And I wanted to stop. And now I get images on my phone constantly. Now I'm subscribing to things I shouldn't subscribe it was just a simple talk at work. She was nice to me. He was nice to me. Yeah, I flirted a little bit. But now we're having lunch together. And now she wants to have dinner. Sin will take you longer than you want to go. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. I can't stop drinking. Every now, night now I have to drink. And if I don't, something in me just needs it. I'm addicted to pornography. I cannot stop. Now I'm in a relationship I shouldn't be. I'm married and I know I shouldn't, but how can I stop? Sin will cost you more than you want to pay. I have to go to rehab. My family is in shambles. I need to tell my spouse that I've committed adultery and most likely I will end up in divorce. Would you guys agree with me with Chuck Sindahl's description of sin? Yeah. So if you agree with me, then why is it that we sometimes get into a season where we just can't stop sinning? We just know we're doing wrong, but we can't stop being angry. We can't stop over-worrying. We can't stop our sexual immorality. We can't stop you fill in the blanks. Why is that? The answer to that question, church, is that every single day when you and I wake up, we walk into a battlefield. It is a spiritual warfare. Daily, we are competing with decisions we need to make, either spiritual decisions or flesh decisions. And that is the truth. As a matter of fact, Paul talks about what we have to compete with every day in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 17. Listen to what he says. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. Always, continuously, a battle every day. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Even Paul struggled with this. 
That's why he writes in Romans 7, 7, he says this in verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. I know I'm sinful. For I have desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Does that sound familiar? Can I get an amen? That's a struggle we're going through every single day. He continues in verse 20. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but it's that sin. It's our sinful nature that dwells within us. That is the truth, church. And that is the struggle that we go through daily. Today we are continuing our series that we've entitled Rooted Rhythms. And today I'm going to be covering what's known as a stronghold. A stronghold by definition is this. Sometimes in our life we give the enemy authority over some section in our lives. It could be a long season, it could be a short season, but strongholds are part of our sinful life. That is what a stronghold is. As a matter of fact, I, lo- I like how Pastor Rick Warren defines strongholds. He says this, if you give Satan control of one little part of your life, he will soon take over the whole thing. You give him a foothold into your life and he turns it into a stronghold. Sin if not dealt with properly, will go and make you go further and further down a way you don't want to go. And then it becomes a stronghold. Two things I want to mention before we continue about strongholds. The first thing is this. A stronghold is a sin. But like I mentioned, a stronghold is more of a repetitive sin. We know we're disobeying God. We know we should be doing something else, but yet we can't. That's what a stronghold is. The enemy has authority of that section of our lives. The other thing that I want you guys to keep in mind, and this is very important, a stronghold is always kept in the dark. The enemy doesn't never want you to bring your sin, your stronghold, your struggle up to the light. He will keep it secret. That is the way he attacks. That's one of the weapons he uses in our lives daily. As a matter of fact, we see why the enemy attacks us daily. And this is how the enemy attacks us daily. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 16, he says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and now he's going to describe the attacks of the enemy. Three things John's going to mention. He says the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The enemy knows that. And so he grabs a hold of that part and he uses these weapons to make us go down a path we don't want to go. So he mentions the desires of the flesh. What does that mean? It's his physical lust. It's taking something to the extreme. Now, there's nothing wrong with liking things, but when we take them to the extreme that it becomes lustful, that we need them, over drinking. That's an example of a physical lust. The desires of the flesh. 
It's more like an addiction that you cannot stop. And so John mentions this is the weapon that the enemy uses, the desires of the flesh. And look what Paul says in Romans 13, verse 12. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Every day there's a battle. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, bringing it out to light. Not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in these physical desires that the enemy tempts us with, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify our desires. He also mentions, John does, the desires of the eyes. Look around, church. We are being bombarded daily with advertisements, with images that is getting out of hand. I read somewhere, I heard somewhere that we, in an average, get 10,000 advertisements daily on our phones, on TV. And what do those advertisements say? You want it, you need it now. You need things of this earth. You need the bigger house. You need the bigger car. You need a better job. See, these desires, these temptations, the desires of the eye always tell you that the grass is greener on the other side. Always. They're lies from the enemy. And so in your mind, you start thinking, if I had a better job, if I had more money, I would do these things. And you fall into these lies, into these traps, and the enemy gets a hold of that and uses it as a stronghold. James says this in James chapter 4, verse 2. He says, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive. Why? Because you ask wrongly. To spend it in your passions. And then lastly, John mentions the pride of life. We, church are so prideful. Think about it. Everything really is all about us. There is always an I in sin. Always. It's about me, 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 me. My comfort, my luxury, my benefit, my happiness. And you know what pride is? The root of it is? Is that we're saying we do not need God. As a matter of fact, if we're honest, we're saying we are God. That's what the enemy used in the Garden of Eden. You want to be like God, right? Of course. Nothing has changed. We are prideful people and the enemy knows that and he uses that to grab a hold of a section in our life. That's why Proverbs says this in chapter 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction always, I'm going to add. And a haughty spirit before a fall. Sin, church, is going to take you further than you want to go. Sin will always keep you longer than you want to stay. And trust me, church, you know this. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay. I'm going to say something, and I hope you're listening. Not only with your ears, but with your heart. I know with a church family this big, some of you are going through a stronghold right now. Some of you are in a season that you're keeping something in the dark. A relationship you shouldn't be in. 
some addiction that you haven't confessed, over-anxious, being worried. Church, if that's you, let me ask you, aren't you tired? I've been through those seasons. I know what it's like. We need to. We need to bring them out to the light. We need to bring them to Christ. For the remainder of the time that we have together, I want to just to consider some of the things that we can do as believers to help us get through a stronghold in our lives. How can we overcome a stronghold that you may be going through right now or have been going through or will be going through in the future? Now, before I move forward, I want to just make two things very, very clear. The first thing is that this is not a quick fix. This is not a formula I'm going to give you and say, if you do one, two, three, then you're cured. That's not what this is. These are biblical truths that if we put them into our daily lives and practice them, you will see a difference in your life. You will be released of the stronghold. The other thing I want to say, and this is really important, if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, if you are a believer, what does that mean? If in your heart you truly believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and he rose again on the third day and that took care of the punishment for our sins, if you believe that in your heart, then Jesus Christ has victory over any sin in your life. He is victorious and over any stronghold that the enemy might be putting in your life. Believe that. This is the truth. This is what John says in 1 John 4, 4. He says, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he, I love this, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That is the truth. Paul writes in Colossians 1.13, he has delivered us from the domain of what? Of darkness. We are no longer enslaved to sin and transformed us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Jesus Christ is the light. So let's begin. How can we overcome our strongholds? Repent. Confess and amend. R-C-A. Repent, confess, and amend. We need to do these things. The first thing we need to do is repent. What is repentance? Repentance literally means that if you're walking in one direction, you turn and walk towards the other direction. 100%. If you're living a certain way that you shouldn't be living, you stop living that way and you turn and walk and live the other way. That is repentance. Big difference. Listen, there's a big difference between saying, I'm sorry, will you forgive me, than repentance. See, most of the time, if we're honest, when we say, I'm sorry, we're just, we're just sorry we got caught. Oh, man, okay, I'm sorry. I feel bad. No, repentance truly means from the heart that you are disgusted with the way that you are living. Repentance really means just I'm done with this. I need to come back to Christ. That is repenting. I love what Pastor Charles Stanley, what he says about repentance. I love the words he uses. He says, it's a heartfelt sorrowfulness followed by renouncing of sin. And sincere commitment to forsake it and walk in obedience with God. That is true repentance. I did a word study and I found that over a hundred times this word is used in the Bible. And we know how John introduces Jesus when he steps into his ministry. 
What does he say? Repent. Why? For the kingdom of God is at hand. We see that all the time. Peter in Acts, he stands up in Acts 3 verse 19. He says, repent therefore and turn back. Go the other way that your sins may be blotted out. Our relationship with God comes through repentance. Our relationship with God comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus says this in Luke 5, 32. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to what? Repentance. We need to change our hearts. If we want to be released of any stronghold, of any sin in our hearts, we need to repent. You want to see a prayer, a true prayer, repentance? I really encourage you to read Psalm 51. I'm going to read the first four verses of this psalm. But when you have a moment, read it in its entirety. This is David coming to God as he is repenting for the things that he has done. And, and look at the words. Look at his heart. He says this in verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your loyal love. Because of your great compassion. Wipe away my rebellious acts. Wash away my wrongdoing. I'm done with it. Cleanse me of my sin. This is so important. For I am aware of my rebellious acts. We have to know that we are sinners. I am forever conscious of my sin against you. You above all I have sinned, he says. I have done what is evil in your sight. So you are just when you confront me. And you are right when you condemn me. That's a repentive heart. After we repent, we also need to confess. Confession needs to be part of this. And we need to come before God and ask the Holy Spirit... To seek our hearts, to search our hearts, to see where we have been sinning. And once we realize, we confess to God because we have sinned before him and against him foremost more than anybody else. So we need to confess our sins. And I love what John says in 1 John 1, 9, the cleansing verse. He says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is the truth. Let me say this about confession as well. Confession needs to be precise. When you come to God, you don't say, I'm a sinner. Of course you're a sinner. But you are specific. I am an adulterer. I am an addict. I get jealous. I have anger issues. Confess to God so you can realize by just praying to him and verbalizing what your specific stronghold is. You need to call it what it is. But church, after you confess to God, you need to confess to one another. Remember what I said earlier, how the enemy uses tactics. And the number one tactic he uses is to keep your sin, your stronghold in the dark. And we come and confess it to others. We no longer have that sin in the dark. We bring it out to light. And James says when we do that, we are healed. James chapter 5 verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. This verse is taken out of context so many times. But 
here James is talking about spiritual healing, not a physical healing. He's talking about repenting and saying, I am done with it. So I'm confessing to you, my church, the people I trust, I am failing in this way. And once we do that, church, there is healing. You get relieved. It's off your chest. It's off your back. Realizing that you have people who love you that can walk with you through this stronghold. We need to bring it out of darkness into light. Jesus says this in John 12, 46. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not and should not remain in darkness. Repent, confess, amend. Church, as believers, again, if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, remember that the wrath, the punishment that you and I deserve for our sin, taken care of. But the consequences, the consequences for our sins that you and I need to deal with. When we're in a stronghold, when we're in this repetitive sin, we're like a tornado that's just going by, not carrying all the damages that we're doing around us. And you know this to be true because I've been there. We hurt the ones we love the most. It's the truth. So we need to amend. We need to restore the relationships that we have broken because of our sinful nature. We're starting small groups, community groups. One of the ministries that we have here at Grace Bible Church is called Regenerate. And listen, I always try to practice what I preach. And I've done regeneration. And it's been great. See, I realized what the stronghold in my life is. And now I can identify it. I lack self-esteem. I'm bringing it out to the light. I'm a people pleaser. I'm bringing it out to the light, to my church family. But now when I see that, when I see triggers that the enemy is saying, you're no good. Uh, 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 uh. I have victory over that. Why? Because of ministries like Regenerate. I encourage you to sign up. Sign up. We have sign up for community groups. And that's where the accountability comes in. Hold each other accountable in community groups. When someone is walking away and starting to walk in a wrong direction, as a church family, we come and say, come on back. We're here for you. Church, you will not regret signing up for a community group. God has placed people in our lives, a church family, that we can hold each other accountable and walk through life. Because we're not called to walk life alone. Paul says this in Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. Brothers, he's talking to believers. If anyone is caught in any transgression, in any sin, in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Don't forget that. Now keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Don't go down that road either. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Love. Romans 12.10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Accountability is so important. We need that. I love what an unknown author says about accountability. He says this. Have people in your life that will chase you and come after you with love when you are struggling or not at your best. As I was preparing for this sermon and reading these quotes, and I think about my church family. 
I'm so thankful to God that I'm part of this church, his church, Grace Bible Church, because I see this time and time again, even this week, that I'm going through with a brother, helping him, helping each other. Let's continue to be that church. We do not want to walk this life alone. Because, church, sin will take you farther than you want to go. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. And sin will cost you way, way more than you want to pay. And we don't have to go down that trail. Let me close with a story I love in the Gospel of John. I think you guys are familiar with this story. John chapter 8, there's this woman caught in adultery. So the Pharisees bring this woman before Jesus, and they say to Jesus, this woman is caught in adultery. We need a stoner, right? That's what the law says. So they pick up their stones, and you know the story. Jesus goes down on the floor and starts writing something on the floor, and he says this. Whoever doesn't have sin, go ahead. Throw the first stone. Have at it. They start dropping their stones one by one and they walk away, realizing that they are sinners. And this is what I want to get to. I love Jesus' response. He says this in John 8, verse 10. Jesus stood up and said to her, she said, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she says, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, go, and from now on, sin no more. I want us to continue to be that church that doesn't condemn. We're all sinful people. But I want us to be that church that is authentic and bring anything to life. That we can feel confident within us. That we can trust each other. That we're not here to condemn. I say this often because I mean it. Church, I'm not okay. Oof, boy, I'm not okay. But you know what? You're not okay. But it's okay. Because together, we're chasing after the one that makes everything okay. Let's continue to be that church. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And Father, I pray that if anyone here right now watching on TV, sitting here in the sanctuary or on the foyer, if anyone's going through a, a season of a stronghold in their life, any sin that they just cannot will not confess I ask you through the Holy Spirit that they get the confidence to bring that to light not to keep it in darkness that they feel that this church is safe this church is home to come to anyone and just say I am struggling we're here Father I pray that you move in them Father, we love you. We praise you. We say all these things. In the greatest name above all names, Jesus Christ. Amen. I love you, church. God bless you guys.